I don't know. Let, let, let's let's tap in uh, Troy Rank to this conversation. Yeah. Who joins us on the Johnson Auto Plaza Hotline, presented by Rocks Heating and Air? Troy, um, the Judy stuff specifically. Let's start there. Uh, the Judy stuff. We knew that there was an offer, but then you're seeing some of the deals that came out today. Premier players going for you know a third round pick. Kevin Biard, you know, plays the safety position. You saw what he went for. Was this about no? We really like what we saw from Judy. Therefore, we're hanging on. Or was the market just dry? Well, it was a little of everything. Uh, what conspired to make them hold firm was the two-game winning streak. Yeah, there's confidence in the building. The defense is playing well. They're forming identity offensively. But, yes, this was not a seller's market. I mean, you look at the deals that were made across the NFL, you, I think there was one second-round pick involved. I mean, most of the deals were for third-day draft picks, and they were not going to trade. Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton for third day picks. And in that way, I'll defend them. Then you could argue they should have moved them in the offseason. That's fair criticism. Uh, but you can't just, at that point, you're giving Judy away or Sutton away for when you're picking up sixth and seventh round picks, with all due respect to those guys who get drafted there, that's not the core of your team. Those guys often struggle to make the team. They spend a year on practice squad. So if you're going to rebuild the team with draft capital, you're looking for second, third, and fourth rounders. Now, listen, you can revisit this. In the offseason, they picked up Jerry's option for next year. So if he plays strong at the end of the year and he ends up with, you know, 950 yards and seven touchdowns, then maybe you can get a three then or, you know, package. I would, I thought they might try to say Judy and a four mm-hmm. to get back a two. Like that's what, in my mind, it made sense. Sutton was going to be hard because of his contract, but they're just, they're in a tough spot. They, they don't want to hit the reset button. They don't have a lot of draft capital. But remember, in some of these cases, Simmons is under contract at the end of the year. Bulls is under contract. So if you're not giving them extensions, you can revisit some of this in the offseason. So I guess my my larger point is, Zach, it wasn't a seller's market. Mm. Troy, does does the defense look like they're turning the corner now? I know that the stats stats show some and the stats show not as much at, at times as well. Well, listen, statistically, they have turned the corner the last three weeks. When you look at the the overall numbers, you're talking about a defense that's only allowing 15 points per game. They are allowing 331 yards and 6.7 yards per pass. Those numbers before were at 36 points per game and 450 yards. So it has been a significant improvement. And the eye test tells me, that they're better. You know, it's, you know, the Packers, okay, that's a bit of a mulligan. You're not going to pace it too much on that because Jordan Love and that, they have no passing game. They don't throw deep. Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. And in, in multiple games against him, you were there. I think the Chiefs ended up one and eight in the red zone against the Broncos over two games. Yep. That's significant. That is something you can sink your teeth into. Now, listen, I'm not saying they're making a run for the playoffs. I get why the play, the players feel that way. The problem they run into is a, you lost three home games where you were a favorite against yeah. teams that aren't very good in the Raiders, Jets, and Commanders. And secondly, if you were to make a push, like right now they're a game and a half back behind several teams for the playoffs. The problem is the first tiebreaker is AFC, your record in AFC. They have one win in the AFC right now, the Chiefs. <laughs> so you have to start picking off every AFC opponent you play the rest of the way. Mm. That means you have to sweep the Chargers beat the Raiders, beat the Browns at home, beat the Texans. I mean, it's a tall order. But, listen, they have reason to feel good about themselves. They're playing much better. But, again, I just think uh, you have to appreciate the climb that that lies ahead if they really think they're going to be a contender. 
Troy Rank is joining us on the Johnson Auto Plaza Hotline presented by Rocks Heating and Air. He is our Denver 7 Broncos insider. Um, the vibe around the team feels different. And, and maybe uh, we're looking too much into it because they won. And people tend to be happy when they win. But was was there a flip, do you think, before that with getting some higher-priced veteran players that may have not had the best attitude, may have not have uh, liked their role or new role in Frank Clark, Randy Gregory? Um, we're just speculating, but as someone who is around that team on a very regular basis, do you think there could be uh, something to that? Listen, I loved interviewing Randy Gregory. He was one of the most insightful players and certainly in the NFL I've ever talked to. He was not a good fit going forward. He was not happy with his role. So I understood why they moved him. It was not going to be good. Clark, you know, he had a better attitude about it. He just saw the writing on the wall. And I said this on your guys' show, I believe. I certainly said it on these airwaves. I was surprised Clark didn't get cut in the summer. Yeah. You know, he and Peyton didn't really hit it off. And Sean Peyton wanted him there. But they didn't really hit it off during camp. And it looked like by the end of camp that he might get cut. I thought he would, but the guaranteed money saved him. So, and he saw the writing on the wall, Clark, that, hey, Baron Browning's coming back. I'm not really playing now. So, and Clark's, but Clark's wasn't an attitude issue. I noticed him multiple times at practice coaching young guys up. And the, the guy said similar positive things about Randy, but Randy did definitely was ready to move on. Clark just kind of saw the writing on the wall. Like, hey, I'll take away 1.6 million guaranteed money if you can get, just cut me or trade me because I, I need a fresh start. And he ends up with that in Seattle. But part of the reason they're better defensively, that's some of it. It's just getting Baron Brownie back. They got Jewel back. They got Justin Simmons back. You put Jaquan McMillan at nickel back, and he's played great. And they've moved guys around up front with Mike Purcell now playing more defensive tackle along with D.J. Jones. I mean, that's like four or five significant parts that are playing together now, and it's kind of clicked. And give credit to McMillan. I mean, of my favorite Pirates – he might be moving ahead of, like, Dave Parker, <laughs> Willie Stargell, and Orlando Bloom. This East Carolina Pirate kid here reminds me of Phil Lindsay. Plays with an edge, an attitude. I like him. He has energy. I love the way this kid plays. Yeah. Uh, Troy, uh, one last question for me. Um, do you feel like Russ is being handcuffed by Sean at this point? His, his attempts have been reduced pretty much. Uh, it just feels like they still haven't gotten into rhythm of what they want to do yet. And I don't think we're going to see it work, Phil, uh, completely yeah. until the play action game, bounce, you know, it hits and it and it, it triggers that. They're now figuring out that their best strength is running the football. Form follows function and architecture in life. You built your team the off season to run the football with McGlinchey, with Powers, Manhurts, yeah. Burton, and they're realizing we're pretty good at running the football. So as that identity takes shape, which we thought it was going to be from the beginning, it didn't. As it takes shape, Phil, I think that's where the test now becomes they're going to have play action. It's going to be open, whether it's Judy Sutton, Mims, one of them. Can they hit those passes? And if they can, maybe you have something. But, yeah, they just don't look like they're in rhythm because mainly Russ does not throw in the middle of the field, and that's where Sean lived with Drew Brees. Russ lives on the outside with his passing. And the way Sean called games in New Orleans was a lot of it in the middle of the field. And Russ, it seems like at times he's getting that, climbing the pocket, but you don't throw in the middle of the field when you scramble right or left. Right. And I say it every game I'm at in person. I'm like, Russ, you got to climb the pocket, man. Yeah. And even I say that because you climb the pocket, and that's north and south running. His point in his career now, it's not meant for him to get outside because he can't get away from those guys like he used to. But you go north and south, 
There's nobody there. You can get eight yards. You go right and left, you get nothing, and you get a turnover or uh, you know, a 10-yard loss. So we'll see, Phil, but my point would be as they continue to run, which I think they will, let's see what that play-action game looks like. Mm. Troy, l- let me ask you this here. Uh, every year almost, even, even, even amidst the worst stretch of NFL Broncos football uh, that we're living in still, it seems like every year the Broncos pop a game. Uh, remember how bad that uh, 2017 team was, but they found a way to put it on the Dallas Cowboys in 2018. Bad football team, but they went on the road and beat Houston and upset, pounded Houston. Uh, the 2021 season went on the road and pounded a 12-win Cowboys team, but it wasn't sustainable in, in any of those cases. When we woke up Sunday morning, we thought that this was not a very good football team. Is what they did Sunday sustainable in your opinion? It's sustainable, but what is the end goal when you say sustainable? I guess that would be my argument. You can look at the schedule right now, Zach, and say there's a path to 6-6. Six and six. You lose to the Bills, but you could beat Minnesota. You could beat the Browns. You could beat the Texans. Mm. You'd have, I mean, if you're playing like this, but then it gets real. Like, you got to then, can you sweep the Chargers? Can you finally beat the, you know, the Raiders who've owned them? But is it sustainable? It is to a degree, is my simple answer. But 15 points a game defensively? That's not sustainable over the next nine weeks, yeah. but is 20. And if he can keep it to 18 or 20, you should win. As we learned last year, if your defense is only given up around 19, 20 points, you should win most of those games. And that part is the key for me is offensively. They've kind of been where they kind of been, but defensively it has been such a dramatic juxtaposition these last three weeks. If they can stay healthy and play like that defensively, yeah, I mean, that puts him for me in the conversation of I had him at nine wins before the season. I mean, that would put him back in that conversation of somewhere between seven and nine. Not sure exactly what that a winning record would accomplish something. Seven would be the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. If you win seven games, go seven and ten, and you draft 12th. That, for me, would be the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. If you win nine, it would mess the draft status up, I understand. But having a winning record for the first time in six years yep. would matter. Yep. It would matter. As you guys said, and I said this on air on Denver 7, some of this stuff matters to Broncos country. It's easy as us to dismiss it as cynics, you know, cynics in the media. The Broncos country lived a 16-game losing streak with the Chiefs. I was happy for Broncos country. Yeah, if hell they yeah. have a winning record, that would matter because then you feel like the arrow is finally pointing in the right direction. But yeah. what would the plan be from that? We would see. But at nine wins, after the way they started, you would then be able to argue they're on the right track. Uh, Troy, last one. We'll cut you loose here. Are you dressing up for Halloween? And if you are, what are you going to be? Also, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not that guy, but go ahead. Okay. Finish the second part. <laughs> okay. What is your favorite Halloween candy? And do you have a uh, favorite Halloween movie or scary movie? Yeah, my favorite candy is Chewy Sprees, so that doesn't matter if it's October 31st or May 20th. I eat Chewy Sprees. It's literally an addiction (laughs) for me. So that's my favorite candy. Favorite Halloween candy would be Snickers, but it's always Sprees. And uh, in terms of a scary movie, uh, the scariest movie I ever saw in my life was The Exorcist, but <laughs> yeah, I would yeah, never yeah. watch it again. They're they're remaking that. They're they're yeah. they're redoing that. Yeah, th- th- that that. And that. I will not be rewatching it. I will not be watching that. I will not watch the original. I won't watch. They have five versions. I'm not watching any of them. Thank I you, Troy. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate you. There goes our Denver Seven Broncos insider.